0: This is Psalm 94, verses 1 to 15. O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud for what they deserve. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evil doers are full of boasting. They crush your people, O Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the alien. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob pays no heed. Take heed, you senseless ones among the people. You fools, when will you become wise? Does he who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches man not Lack knowledge. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, he knows that they are futile. Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble, till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people, he will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness and all the upright in heart will follow it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The second reading today is on page 852, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, When he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought blessing with tears. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
2: be to God. Please keep uh, that part of Hebrews open. We're going to be looking a little more closely at it now. Uh, Let me add my welcome. If you're uh, new, passing through, it's great to have you amongst us. My apologies after hearing the dulcet English and Canadian accents. You're stuck with this Australian one for the next little while. Um, Not quite as pleasant to listen to, but that's life, you hear. Uh, Can I also commend to you um, what Hayley mentioned to us of uh, the Testimony Workshop, particularly can I say, if you're one of the people who um, doesn't have a moment of conversion, one of the wonderful things about the Bible and God is he's more interested in, uh, not the question of when did you start following me, but are you still following me? Um, If you're someone who's grown up uh, and always followed Jesus, you've still got a story to tell. Uh, And so, Can I commend to you, um, it doesn't have to be just for people who kind of did this radical turnabout after their rock and roll lifestyle, but even those of us who uh, grew up in the love of Jesus the whole time have a story to tell to uh, encourage others and bring them to know Jesus. So can I commend you if you're one of those kind of people like me? Uh, But how about we pray as we hear God's word? Lord and Father, we thank you for your faithfulness that it reaches to the skies. Uh, We thank you for the way that you lavish your love on us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who uh, has taken our sin from us uh, as far as the east is from the west. And Father, we pray now as we look at your word, we might be encouraged to live that reality out. Uh, That we would be humble before your word and changed by it. uh, That we would live the kind of lives you have saved us to live. Uh, Speak to us now clearly by your spirit and by your word we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. How important is it for you to belong? What would you sacrifice to fit in? Uh, Clearly, by your presence here, I uh, know you've resisted the temptation and the peer pressure to do that city to surf. uh, Though for anything like me, that's not really a sacrifice. Uh, I ask you more, more seriously because your answer may cost you the opportunity to see God. Okay, now we all want to fit in, we all want to feel at home, that's natural. Uh, the, the Irish priest who made Celtic spirituality really trendy, uh, a guy called John O'Donohue, helpfully observed, the hunger to belong is at the heart of our nature. Cut off from others, we atrophy, we turn in on ourselves. Mostly, we don't need to make an issue of belonging. When we belong, we take it for granted. But merely to be excluded or just sense rejection hurts. Now, C.S. Lewis takes that observation a bit further. Um, he says... Uh, you know that among human beings, when they get together in a family or a club or a, a trades union, people talk about the spirit of that family or club or trades union. They talk about its spirit because uh, the individual members, when they're together, do really adopt, develop particular ways of talking and behaving, which they wouldn't have if they were apart. It's as if a, a sort of communal personality came into existence. Yeah? We love to belong uh, and we live like those we belong with. We adopt uh, patterns to become like them. we, we want to be part of uh, a subculture, a network and that's normal that's natural uh, It's instilled by our parents and we pass it on. you know one of the major reasons I send my kids to school is for socialization, not education. Um, they'd learn more at home quicker uh, but that they might know how to relate to people. Um, our first-time churchgoer tells a story of his uh, his first visit on a Sunday morning uh, and with one of his biggest concerns was what to wear. You know, and maybe that was you when you came here for the first time. Uh, even if this wasn't your first church experience, you might have still wondered, well, oh, what about this church? What do they wear? Because we all want to fit in. We want to belong. We're geared that way. Um, there is nothing necessarily impressive or good about you know, being one of those belligerent people who just stick out for the sake of perversity. That's not impressive. But knowing yourself, how important is it for you to fit in? How important... Is it for you to belong? What are you prepared to forfeit so that you fit in? Because Hebrews 12 lays a challenge to us this morning to beware that desire to belong, because it may just cost us the opportunity of seeing the true and living God. There is a call here for holiness. Um, Chapter 12, verse 14, have a look at that verse. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. One key concept for us to grasp and go away with, there's going to be a lot said, but one to hang on to, pursue holiness. Because without it, no one will see the Lord. God says, if you don't possess holiness, then you won't see him, that is, you won't enjoy a welcome into his presence. Uh, Holiness, um, consecration, sanctification, aren't they wonderful big jargon words? Uh, And they all mean essentially the same thing, even if we don't know. Uh, holiness is is to be set aside for a clear purpose. I want you to think the good china. Okay, not the nation, but growing up we had plates in the cupboard that we'd use every day, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, they'd be cycled through. Uh, But when there was a celebration, uh, when certain guests came around, uh, we'd go to the buffet and you'd get out the good china and you'd set that out. Now, to be honest with you, um, there actually wasn't anything greater in quality about the good china it's just it was set aside and special and so it didn't get smashed up and you actually had a complete set Uh, you know but but it had a purpose didn't it the good china was set for those special occasions they were holy plates you know they were consecrated they were you know sanctified cutlery and saucers Uh, that's god's will for his people we are set aside for a purpose Rather than to to belong and fit in with this world, each of us is to belong to God. And that needs to be visible to those who are outside of relationship with God. God's will is that his people would be set apart from the rest of this world. And maybe you're starting to see how important it is, that question of belonging, and how important you consider it. See, in Leviticus in the Old Covenant, um, God had established laws and some of those laws were arbitrary. You know, there was certain food they weren't to feast on. You know, they, they, ham, bacon, pork were all out. No BLTs for the Jewish people. Okay. Now, there was nothing intrinsically wrong with pig meat. Uh, in the New Testament, we get to feast on it. But God had set it up so they would stick out and be noticeably different from everyone else around them. Because the refrain in Leviticus is, be holy because I am holy and I am the Lord. God set his people apart to be his uh, in everything, um, ethically, morally, in action, to share the passions of God. Uh, we sing the song, uh, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Uh, the words may be up there in really small print. Uh, consecration is being made Holy. The, the verses cover, um, if you scan through just kind of the left-hand column, um, they cover moments and they cover my hands, my feet, my voice, my lips, my silver, my gold, my intellect, my will, my heart, my love, uh, i.e. it's all-encompassing. You know, all are God's and for his pleasure. As the final line says, take myself and I will be only ever all for thee. You know, That's a commitment to holiness. As John Owen put it in the 16th century, um, did Christ die and shall sin live? He was crucified in the world, and shall our affections to the world be quick and lively? Uh, where is the spirit of him who by the cross of Christ was crucified to the world and the world to him? Yeah, separation from belonging with the world with absolutely everything you've got for the honour and pleasure of the one who died to give you life. And that's got to be visible to others. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, Let your light shine before men. Why? Why? that they may see your good deeds and tell you how great you are. No. In case you don't know that verse, that's not why. Um, Let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, of course, you know, we don't earn holiness. Uh, if you've been with us over the last few months as we've looked at the book of Hebrews, you'd realise, no, no, we're made holy. We are set apart because of the perfect work of Jesus. Holiness is not a claim to be better. I want to separate it very clearly. Holiness, it's over here. It's good and right. Holier than thou, terrible. Keep well away from it. Okay, that's the impression that I'm better than you. And that's not what the Bible is talking about. Holiness is a status given by Jesus. Um, as someone put it, uh, the Christian man is not a moral man, not a man of good conscience. He has a bad conscience, but a good confidence. His confidence is in Jesus or his. Yeah. Like my parents, good china. You know, uh, our holiness is a status, a special status given to some very ordinary products. The light that we are to shine isn't coming from within us, but it's the overflow of God's generosity towards us that we pour out on others. As people who intuitively long to belong and love that, the challenge for us today is that we pursue separation. I want to give you five reasons to pursue separation uh, from Hebrews 12. The first one is it's actually good for us. Have a look at verse 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. That's what's good for us. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So the the first recipients of this letter um, had been struggling because they were persecuted and they'd been rejected because they chose to sign up with Jesus. Uh, In 12.4 we're told they haven't yet shed blood for Jesus but at the same time it's not been easy. And the writer is able to point them to the benefits of this hardship. God is treating them in their hardship as true children. Uh, Like all good fathers, he is disciplining them. Parents who, um, who think that their kids know better than them uh, parents who, who never correct their misbehaving kids but just distract them all the time. Um, parents who let their children set the agenda uh, aren't loving them. Yeah, children are sinful and ignorant and they need training, um, just like us. And that's what God does with us. But, but where we fail in verse 10 because we as, you know, me as a human father, I do what I think is best but often that's wrong. <laughs> Uh, God disciplines not for, our be- not for what He thinks is best, but for what is objectively good for us. Yet the hardship that He gives is not to, to overwhelm us and leave us despondent. And so in, uh, in verse 12 and 13, they're not to kind of be overwhelmed, they're to strengthen their feeble arms and, and their weak knees. It's not overwhelming, but it's objectively good for us. What's good for us? To be righteous, to be holy. And in this life, if we went through it without pain, we actually wouldn't learn those things. Now, pain is not fun, don't don't hear me wrong, but it's good in the sense of how it shapes and trains us. Because without pain, we'll wander away from humility before God into self-security. And we'll love ourselves more than we love our neighbours because we won't understand the suffering they've been through. Now, to understand that holiness um, is actually better for us than comfort is, I want to say, profoundly helpful when hard times come. Uh, A friend uh, at another church relocated with his young family to uh, another country for work, only to be offered a redundancy months later. But he understood the fatherly discipline of God, uh, and he was able to say, uh, to quote him in an email, I found the whole experience quite interesting, and I've been glad to find out that it hasn't bothered me at all, all that much, and I found it pretty easy just to rely on God and his plans for me rather than worry. I haven't lo- been losing sleep. I'm trusting that God will give us our daily bread and that your will be done. You know, that, that's viewing hardship as achieving the good of making more righteous, more holy. You know, the defining moments of my life, uh, when I've grown most as a Christian, um, have all been painful. Uh, but good. Because holiness is better than comfort. Or to take a different angle, um, our true comfort actually depends on it. There's a genuine link between sin and sorrow and holiness and happiness. Second reason to pursue holiness, um, we're not going to slide into it. Verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Hebrews urges us you've got to make an effort to pursue holiness because you're not just going to slide there naturally. Um, even after God has set you aside in Christ, when you live in this world, your natural tendency is not going to be um, to fit in with God, but unholiness, that is, fit in with the world, to not be set apart as special. Uh, you know, it's scary to realise um, how often our priorities, my priorities, are just the carbon copies of the world's, uh, not coming from the blueprint of God's plans. You know, occasionally, you know, things come up and shake you out of that. Uh, So, a Christian woman, uh, I know I've turned her back on uh, law to retrain as a teacher, uh, much to her parents' disappointment. Uh, Another friend of mine challenged me on whether we really value motherhood as much as we say we do. He made this point to me, he said, if one of my daughters came to me at 19 and said, I'm actually not going to finish uni, Uh, I'm going to marry this lovely godly guy and I'm going to become a career mum. He said how I'd come up with all the knee-jerk arguments as to why she shouldn't. And he was right. Yeah? And, and he said to me, until we can rejoice in that choice as much as a choice to a paid career, we're not actually seeing motherhood on an equal footing. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not advocating that uh, women can't, shouldn't have paid careers or that teaching is somehow better than a, a, a career in law. All I'm saying is that they showed up to me, and I mention these cases, because I've just got assumptions, uh, about what's right and what's wrong. And I haven't actually necessarily derived them from the Bible. I've just picked them up from culture. I haven't thought them through. If we're going to be holy, we need to question uh, even our most cherished assumptions and our behaviours and just see are they really from a desire to glorify and honour God or is it just because, well, that's how I fit in with the world? Holiness is not just going to happen. You have to pursue it. Third reason, pursue holiness, because without it you will not see God. Verse, the second part of 14, without holiness no one will see the Lord. So God is essentially holy. Uh, It's not a characteristic of his, it's actually intrinsic to who he is. It's the foundation of his being. Um, Isaiah uh, called out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. God's holiness is that he's completely separated from you and I. Uh, so as the, as the Lord says in Hosea 11, um, I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. And do you know, the more you read the Bible, you, you discover more of what his holiness means. It's not just a, a difference and a separation between um, a spiritual and physical, between immortal and mortal, between creator and creation. What's the difference? It's a moral and ethical difference. Ethically, God perfectly loves his eyes in Habakkuk are too pure to look on evil. You know, when, when you actually come to grasp that, that God is not just a, a magnified projection of ourselves, but he's actually a separate, perfect being, you realise just how difficult it is for people you, like you and I to see God, to be in his presence, to enjoy him and be enjoyed by him. You know, just take a moment, glance at our society. Um, Kyle and Jackie o, fiasco. Uh, is as good a case as any to show the distance between us and God, isn't it? Uh, yeah, now it's great. There was a public outcry eventually um, at uh, the revelation of you know, a 14-year-old saying how she'd been raped as a minor. Uh, but didn't it come fairly late? You know, the, the, whole, the whole premise was morally flawed even without that revelation. You know, in the name of entertainment, a 14-year-old girl was subject to interrogation by adults strapped to a lie detector on national radio. Uh, even, uh, I, I didn't hear it, but I've read the, the transcript, even her saying, I'm scared, it's not fair, didn't stop the fun. And what does that say about us? And, and, you know, don't beware, beware claiming the high moral ground of being a 702 listener, like I'm, you know, tempted to kind of stand and go, we wouldn't have that on the ABC. Uh, no, no, don't, don't go there. Don't, even if you're not at today, like, what does it say about us if that show can top rate? Because you know, this is just one of many stunts they've pulled off. What it says is there's a massive gulf between us and the holy, perfect God. And we desperately need the holiness that Christ gives because otherwise the majority of our friends and family will not see God. Fourth reason to pursue holiness The chance to squander it is real. Verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to uh, inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Uh, He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Okay, their peace and and holiness are put in opposition to uh, the bitter root of defilement. Uh, What's going on there in the writer's mind is is, uh, Deuteronomy 29, where a bitter root is not a plant that you chomp down on, but it's a person in the community who turns away from God to serve idols, but still thinks that they'll be okay. And it doesn't really matter. And they have a ripple effect then on other people who join them in being, you know, content to serve idols and think they're right. They are like Esau. Esau, um, who you know, saw what the world had to offer and thought it was better than the promises of God. That it's not worth missing out on this world for what God is holding out. And so they turned their back on grace. You know, we need to pursue holiness because the chance of squandering it is a genuine chance, a re- reality. This year in our church community, people have made that choice. People have walked away from God for what this world offers. They don't say that. Uh, What they say to me is things like, I just think I can use my time better as they invest so heavily in work that they've got no time to love and meet with other Christians. Uh, Someone said to me as they were um, pursuing an unbelieving partner that they still had a really special place in their heart for God. Uh, But the way they chose to express it was by pointing out that they, couldn't, they didn't have time in there to have work, a partner and God. God still has a special place, of course. You know, they, they won't admit it, but they'll squander it for what the world offers. Holiness has to be pursued because you know Esau's problem is a common problem. It's still around. The choice to fit with the world over being separate for Christ, that remains. Uh, fifth reason. Pursue holiness because we've got a place where we truly belong. Um, We'll pick it up at verse 22. Um, You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to, to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to that sprinkled blood. That speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The the closing image of this chapter um, is the better place we've come to with God. Rather than coming to God in all his glory um, fearfully, in in Jesus' blood we come to an unshakable home to find acceptance. We all long to belong. That's right and that's natural. So the, the question I asked you at the start really should be sharpened. It's not so much how important is belonging to you, but where is it more important for you to belong? You know, we pursue holiness because that's the kind of lifestyle of people who, who belong to uh, a home in the celestial Jerusalem, you know, a place that's unshakable, that, that you know, no global financial crisis can strike. It's unshakable kingdom. You know, Those who, who have a place and belong with the angelic throng, those who delight in the presence of the Lord, those who see him, we pursue holiness because that's where we belong. Pursue holiness objectively it's good for you you're not naturally going to slide there but without it you won't see God The chance to squander it is real but we've a real place we belong in the heavenly city what's it going to look like for us how are we going to how are we going to be set aside that we might make our light shine to the glory of God there's your your morning tea conversation I suppose Uh, there are people who've grasped this before there are great stories of missionaries who've hung on to that Um, Alexander Mackay uh, you probably don't know the name but you should it's a great name Um, a Scottish missionary to Uganda Uh, he understood the need to pursue holiness Uh, he lived by the principle if Christianity is worth anything then it is worth everything if it's worth anything it's worth everything Uh, he's absolutely right you know, that's, that's holiness. You know, it's offering to God, take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. But rather than tell you about the incredible life of Alexander Mackay, because um, sometimes you hear stories of missionaries and you go, wow, that's spectacular, that's so, not me. Uh, let me tell you about somebody, just by finishing, a little closer to home, who's struggling with what it is to pursue holiness. Uh, Nicole is a, a Christian and she shared how um, she'd invited her unbelieving neighbours around for dinner. Uh, And after a night where they dined well, um, ate quality food um, and chatted mortgages and she herself got a bit sheepish about her four-year-old daughter telling her neighbours that her favourite thing was Jesus, Um, she started wondering uh, whether she was trying to be like her neighbours to win them for Jesus or just like her neighbours to fit in. Now it's a question of practical holiness, isn't it? Um, She had a couple of reflections. Let me give you uh, them for you to go and wrestle with. Uh, One of her reflections. Maybe the the main application point of Paul being all things to all people to win some for me is not about trying to look and sound more like my neighbours when we sit around the table talking. Maybe it's simply about overcoming the kind of preferences and prejudices that would stop me from sitting around a table with them at all. Practical holiness... Is, is to be like God and love the person who's completely different for you. It's not becoming them. Her second reflection, maybe I've been hiding behind all things to all people as an excuse for not obeying let your light shine before others. Now, practical holiness is standing out morally and ethically to be different. Different loves, different values, different passions. Her third reflection, maybe I should focus a bit more on having dinner with the neighbours more often. And focus a bit less on trying not to look like the Flanders family when I do. You know, practical holiness overcomes the fear of standing out and it just gets on and serves people. The last reflection of hers, maybe I should pay a bit more attention to loving my neighbours and pay a little less attention to looking like them. You know, practical holiness focuses on doing what's good for the other person, not the self. We all want to be long. But don't be satisfied with belonging in this world. Make every effort to live in peace with all men, to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let's pray. Lord and Father, we thank you that in Jesus we are set aside, we are made holy. Uh, We are transformed and changed to be for your pleasure in all that we have and do. Father, we pray that you would work powerfully in us to see how we might live holiness out. Uh, May our comfort and home and place of belonging be with you. Uh, And may we live in this world in such a way that we might bring praise to you who loved us and gave up your life for us. Father, help us to pursue holiness. In Jesus' name, amen.